It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners. Here with me in the studio, my business partners and friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. How's this for a deep philosophical question? What is financial success to you? Maybe some of you consider actually that to be more of a a math question that you could track your progress towards. Either way, we're discussing financial success and how you can achieve more of it in your life. That's on this episode of The Wise Money Show. We're getting deep. We are getting deep, but I'm excited for the banter here. We've already had the the preamble was pretty good. I'll just tease it out like (laughs) that. Uh, If you have a question for the show, we've got some great questions from fans of the show. Thank you so much for sending those in. We want to hear from you. You can find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit a question right there on the right. And then all over social media as well, just search the Wise Money Show. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then, of course, the YouTube channel is up and rolling as well. You can find us there, wisemoneyradio.com. Or, yeah, wisemoneyradio.com. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So how do you define financial success? I think we'd all define it a little bit differently, but the big idea is we all should be tracking it the same way. So me and Josh and Kevin, we're students of life itself. And, um, and, and one of the folks that we listened to through a podcast is, um, was interviewing someone recently and the gentleman said one of his rules of life is that everyone acts rationally all the time. And that just seems crazy, right? That actually seems irrational. <laughs> to even say right? that? Right, to even say it. And, of course, we see people, finan- you know, someone's financial life and say, oh, well, there's these, you know, mistakes. I look at my own financial life and say, oh, I, I must have been acting irrationally because I've made some some mistakes. But the idea is that... Well, we're all acting at any moment based on all the information that we have. So that must be rational. I don't know. I think smart minds might disagree with that. But anyway, with that backdrop, really, how should someone be acting to achieve financial success? What really, how would you define financial success? Yeah. And is everyone striving for it too? Yeah. Um, You know, I personally think that financial success can't be defined outside of, first of all, setting some sort of a target or a purpose for life in general. Because money is, I believe money is just a tool to help you achieve certain things. And if that's a really fun weekend or a great vacation or an amazing uh, roof over your head, great car you're driving, maybe, maybe that's how you define success. Or maybe that's just the outward appearance of it. I don't know. But to me, I, I want to encourage people to begin by defining what a successful life looks like. And financial success then could be defined as how do you use money or material resources to achieve that successful life? 
Yeah, I think when you as you as we look at financial success, I think one of the most important things to do is to have something concrete, to have something definitive, something that lets you be objective and not emotional. Because when we go into the subjective realm of success, um, it it can really, really mess with our our minds. Because I I was walking on the beach in Florida, uh, probably twenty years ago, with a guy that I would consider to be very successful, and he pointed up at the at the high rise and he said that you know the the penthouse just sold it's not it's not finished being built yet but it just sold for a couple million dollars and he knew who bought it and he said you know the interesting thing about financial success is you think you're up the ladder a pretty good ways and then you look up and there's 16 rungs above you <laughs> and and it really is I, I i think the tricky thing about financial success is it could it could be as, as elusive as chasing the horizon. So that's that's why you want to start with, I agree with you, Joshua, defining what would a successful life look like? And then within the context of a, of a successful life, what would financial success look like? And I think as, as I look at defining financial success, to me it's, it, it, is, it is an emotional outcome. I mean, the emotional outcome is that I'm, for the most part, free of financial worry. And you can, the truth is you can have a very little money and be free of financial worry, and you can have an absolute ton of money and be overcome with financial worry. Yeah, that's right. So it's, it, it, there, there are many paradoxes, and it's, it's very, it can be very confusing if, um, especially if you don't spend the time and just kind of run the miles saying, what is financial success? What would success be in my life? What would financial success? And then, and then I start measuring. Now, we know statistically most people don't do that if, because if to the extent that they did, um, we would see different results. We wouldn't have a, a pending retirement crisis. There's a number of things that, that are evidences of people not doing that and um, and that's why we exist is to help people to coach them uh, it's one of the skills that that people want to have in their financial skill stack one of the things I appreciate about what both of you said is that is that don't let the world define financial success for you Right. There's sure. um, there's a whole bunch of paradoxes that uh, culturally are praised, but financially are probably, you know, devastating. And so you get conflicting signs all the time. So if you're trying to achieve financial success the way the world might um, might define it or the way that you might see it played out in Hallmark movies or <laughs> or who watches those or TV shows or commercials or whatever, I, you might be chasing after the, the wrong thing. So start internally. What are you called to do? How, how would you define a successful life? And then, and then really financial success is aligning your resources to help achieve that. Um, one word comes to mind, and I don't want to take us there too quickly. Josh, it looks like you've got a thought, but so often that's just balance. 
Hmm. It's defined in a way as balance. Yeah, that that could be as well. And I, you know, I was actually thinking of some some brand new clients that came in just uh, in the past week or two, who I I couldn't help but to to sense that they were trying to just avoid fear and mistakes and pain in their financial life. They they were almost just petrified of either missing an opportunity or making a misstep, and that's why they were seeking help. And I, I don't consider that necessarily. The, the absence of failure, the absence of mistakes, the absence of missed opportunities is not necessarily success. But some people might define it that way. They, they might just say, you know what, I need, a, I need a coach in my life to make sure that I don't mess this up. Mm-hmm. And I would I would rather see them turn to the positive side of that and say, not what are we trying to avoid in our financial life, but what are we trying to achieve? And, um, you know, I, I agree with everything that you guys have both said, that this really is about uh, using financial resources to achieve the ideal life that you've set for yourself. Now, here's something interesting. Is financial success living your best life today? Is it wholly that? Is financial success wholly preparing for living a great life tomorrow? Wholly that. Is your best financial life living completely for yourself? Is your financial life best as living completely for others? And I and other than that last one, you look at any of those extremes. Let's take the easiest one, which is, and, and I, we're all guilty of this in some way, and we've seen you guys, uh, we've seen clients that have come in that are either really focused on, hey, I'm just trying to live the best life today. I don't need to really prepare for tomorrow. And we've got others who are just sort of miserable today because everything is about, well, how can I have a better financial life tomorrow? And, and that's where you've got to sit down with a coach and you need to be doing comprehensive financial planning to figure out, well, what is the life that you're truly trying to live? And then how can you find balance and success within that. So we're going to pick that back up as well as then, even though we all might have a different financial money view, Josh calls it worldview, how do we track our progress? That should be uniform. That really shouldn't. We're going to tell you how we do it. So that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How do you define financial success? And really, is your financial success woven together with the success and future life that you want to be living? Hopefully it is. And that really is partly the role of your certified financial planner. So thanks for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, as always, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. I want to say thanks to the attorneys at South Bank Legal, as well as First State Bank, for sponsoring the content of today's program. And then lastly, for more content on the Wise Money Show, you can find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there too. Okay, so the the big idea is um, we're all making financial decisions each and every day. Hopefully, those financial decisions are leading each of us closer to how we would define financial success. Now, the big idea is, even though we might all have a slightly different opinion of what financial success really is, we should be tracking our progress the same way. 
Well, we're going to get into that because one of the ways that you should be tracking your progress is really you should be doing right now. Around the beginning of the year is an ideal time to do that. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But what else, guys, would you say to help someone mm, better define financial success? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I, I, as I think about financial success, I do think that there's some work that needs to be done, and, and I've already said this, but you really need to do the work to define what financial success looks like. And whether you're in your 20s or 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, wherever you are, that will the, – the mix of how you live – and what kind of effort and energy you put towards that should be changing and it should be adjusting over time. You know, it's very interesting. My son is in the Army at Fort Bragg. And when he first got to Fort Bragg, he, he called me and he said, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. Everyone's driving a new Charger, a new Dodge Charger. Muscle. Which, yeah, it's a pretty cool car. Yeah. And um, so I thought, well, that's that's interesting. And you know, these guys are airborne, so they make a couple extra bucks every month. And so they make decent money. And if you want to spend all your money on a vehicle, you can do that. So he, it, it, a couple of days later, he, he called me and he said, Dad, there's, a, there's an ad on the radio that says for $149 down, you can drive a Charger. And if you don't have $149, you, can, you just need to come up with it within the first six months. Oh my goodness! So, wow. so basically, the the interesting thing that I told him, as I said, it it seems curious that someone would go and impoverish themselves or imprison themselves to get a a sense of financial well being or a sense of a status symbol. Or something like that, because I can tell you, having been in the army myself, um, you don't need transportation. Everything that you need when you're in the army is provided for you. Three hots and a cot, and uh, there's a bus <laughs> system on every post, and everything else. So it, it's very interesting as he's watching this, because one of the things that you, when you look at financial success, if you are willing to write down some objective measures. Because you say, hey, what, is, what do I want my life to look like? Within the, the context of that, what is financial? What, what needs to happen financially for me to achieve that ideal life? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. That's the right question. And then where did I start the year at in 2019? And where did I end the year at in 2019? And most people struggle with that 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 self accountability yeah that discipline that's exactly right and, good and, segue yeah yeah and and so it's much it it's to, in my humble opinion you know my my wife has observed that i don't do anything by myself and mm -hmm. so it's it's actually much easier to do that with a coach cuz it's way easier to look at things and say oh man that was terrible i really blew it i should have done this i should have could have would have um but to have someone sitting there next to you saying, actually, that was really positive. That was a great step. And, and maybe you're not seeing the fruit from that, you know, this year, but we're going to see this in the next two or three years, and you're going to be amazed by your results. You know, we just did a show about how to set financial goals. Mm -hmm. And my mind is going back to that show because 
uh, in that show, similar to today's show, uh, we were talking about defining what you want out of your life and then setting your goals in alignment with it. And all of those goals that you're trying to achieve, um, they, they have varying degrees of alignment with your own mission and your own focus. Some are just pleasure and others are maybe uh, more aligned with what your your big picture vision, your purpose of your life might be. If that's defined as, um, you know, being a blessing to the people in your life that you love the most. Maybe you have certain goals that are aligned with blessing the people in your life. And then there's others that are maybe a little bit more outward facing, like the the car example that, that Kevin was giving. But in any of those goals, if they are so important to the achievement of the, of the life that you're trying to achieve, then it's worth tracking progress towards them. And we've said, you know, many times on this show that uh, financial progress should be able to be seen in your life. It should be visual. You should be tracking it in a way that, that you're encouraged from year to year or from, from decade to decade, whatever time period you're looking at. But if you have goals that are in alignment with your, your vision, like uh, m- maybe uh, one of your goals is to help launch your kids from the nest and put them on a path towards really achieving their purpose in life. You might say college is uh, one of the methods that you're going to use to support that, that particular objective. And if college planning is a goal of yours, then there's a certain amount of financial resources that are going to be required to achieve that. And one of the tools that we use to be able to just see all these goals in one place or see your whole financial life in one snapshot is a balance sheet, a personal balance sheet. Sometimes we call it a net worth statement because it's basically showing on paper all of the assets that you're in control of and then comparing it to the, the debts, the liabilities that you owe to other people. And when you net those two out, you get a bottom line net worth number that needs to be growing over time, not because the net worth growing is the success you're trying to achieve, but the net worth growing helps fund the success you're trying to achieve. That is a delicate distinction, but that absolutely accurate. And and so this is the big idea. However you define financial success, that's this is one of the habits. This is one of the disciplines that you use to monitor your progress. It's it's building out that net worth or that balance sheet. And you should be doing it now, right around the beginning of the year. I, we do it for all of our clients in the first quarter. And um and and so you're gonna or the first half of the year I should say. And but this is the thing. You don't build that to with the outcome being pride or embarrassment because just as uh, author and thinker Jordan Peterson says I mean don't compare yourself to others Care, compare yourself today to who you were yesterday and so this is the big trick you don't build that net worth statement to then say well how do I compare to others no 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 you build it to say how did I compare to myself a year ago and that's the other little secret sauce here is you need to be building this net worth on a sheet where it's right next to the one you did last year, which is right next to the one you did the year before that and year before that and year before that. So you can actually see your progress. Excel is great for that. And actually, this is a great time. This would be a great day to do it if you've never done it. And you should have some statements. 
already. Your year, some of your year-end statements have already come in, and you can take a look at what the balances of those accounts are. And on that statement, it'll actually show you what was probably what was the balance at the beginning of the year, what's the balance at the end of the year. And so you'll have some sort of a sense for what kind of progress you, you've made in those various accounts. And then you start assembling it. And if you are a perfectionist, most people don't do this because they want to do it perfectly, and so they never do it. Yeah. So um, this is one of the things that your certified financial planner – I mean, if that sounds like drudgery to you, this is one of the things your certified financial planner should be doing for you and and helping you because they want to provide – they want to have that perspective, provide that perspective to you, and then provide the coaching to say, well, it seems like we're off trend here, or look at this great progress we've made. We're grinding it out each day, but look at the great progress over time. So a little bit more to come here, and then a couple great questions that we're going to hit. So lots more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right, I plan to pay my mortgage off soon, but I'm still in my mid-50s. What do I do with the money next? Oh, love that question from fan of the show, Scott. We're going to hit that very shortly here. Thanks for being with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin and Josh. Thank you, Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies and Diane Bennett and her Inspired Homes team for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. If you're not watching the show on the YouTube channel, I'd encourage you to do so. Check out Kevin's new gear to Corhorn Financial Group sweatshirt. I see those potentially as maybe a question of the week, question of the month giveaway at some point on the YouTube channel. So go there. You'll find us. Just search the Wise Money Show on YouTube, subscribe to it, and turn that bell on for notifications so you're up to date on all videos that we post. Okay, let's put the wraps on this. We're talking about how you define financial success. We all might define it a little bit differently. Occasionally, our behaviors actually pull us away from financial success. So it's really important that you start with, what do you want your life to look like? How would you define a successful life? And then work with your certified financial planner. This is why you need comprehensive financial planning so that you can align your financial decisions to help you live that life. Really, that that's the big idea. But then you gotta track it. You gotta track your progress. You gotta look at the objective data. And one of the disciplines right now is to update your personal balance sheet, your net worth. So. How else would you guys put the wraps on that before we transition? Well, I mean, everything you just described is so important because financial success is maybe you had a successful past quarter or maybe you had a successful past year, but have you achieved financial success? That is a long-term, maybe even lifelong objective as you achieve the the life that you're trying to uh, shoot for here. And so it would be really easy to get off track towards any of these goals or that that long-term picture because you're always faced with short-term decisions on how you're going to direct money. And every time you make a decision with dollars in your hand, you're either supporting that life that you're trying to achieve or maybe you're not, right? So one of our favorite authors, Jim Clear, 
right? He mm-hmm. says, uh, you're casting votes. You're casting yeah, votes like with each of these small decisions. You're casting votes for who that future, who you're going to elect as your future self. That's right. And y- you, will, you will manage what you measure, right? Stephen Covey says that. And I, I think that's true in your financial life as well. And if you're trying to achieve financial success, however you define it, uh, you're going to make the decisions that either take you down that path or off that track every single day. And so keeping it in front of you and tracking your progress, I think, is really, really important. Yeah, I think when I think of financial success, I, I try to encourage people to think about what they are thinking about. And if they, if your finances occupy very much space at all in your brain, um, you, you gotta, you, you, I would encourage you to get some help and get that fixed. So, so, <laughs> so I'm serious. Cause if you spend it, it, well, I mean, get around someone who talks about money or their money. It, it's not terribly interesting. <laughs> so I, I would say, if, but keep listening to the show. Uh, if you are, uh, if you are seriously, if if you are, if your mind is dominated by thoughts of how well you're doing, how awful you're doing, uh, just by money, I would I would try to get free. Twenty twenty yeah, yeah. needs to be uh, the year to get free, and hopefully you can see that. But I think um, there's three words that I think of, and and two of them kind of mean the same thing. But I, I think of alignment or congruency like I am my financial life is and the vision for that fits within the vision for my entire life and then there's there's balance and it's again uh, to quote my good friend Mike Bernard it's I want balance over my lifetime not today so today I might not have perfect balance today I might have to figure out a way to enjoy. To me, the best analogy is to think about practicing and playing. Practicing is the preparation. Playing is actually when you get to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage you to say, hey, 2020, I'm going to build my net worth. I'm going to compare 19 to 20. I'm going to pick one or two financial skills that I may not have and figure out a way to add those to my life. If I don't have a budget, I'm going to make sure I have a budget. And I would, um, if and if you've always thought, hey, I probably should have a coach, and I don't, I would, I would run, not walk, to a planner and make sure they're certified and make sure they do financial planning. Love it. I, I, there's one last caveat because we're 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 on the heels of another year. We have no idea what 2020 is going to bring. Many of the things on your balance sheet you can control, but not all of them. One of, hopefully, the biggest category that you're trying to build on your balance sheet is your investment savings because those dollars are the ones that are going to appreciate the most over time and help you grow your net worth. You have influence as to what that line looks like, what that number looks like, but you don't have complete control over it. In the short term, you're hustling, you're getting focused on this, you're building your net worth, and then wham, the market goes down a little bit and you say, now my net worth just went down or I didn't make progress even though I'm sacrificing today. That's how it's supposed to work. 
in the short term, that is how it's supposed to work. So just that quick caveat. Okay, Scott, love your question. We actually have several here from fans of the show that that I love, and you guys know we, we get to as many as we can. But Scott's up first, 55 from Mishawaka. No children, single. I plan to pay off my mortgage in February. I'll be debt-free at that time. I have a traditional IRA. Where should I be investing? Annual income is between 130 and 150. I mean, great job on the progress, Scott. I joked once before, if you want to make financial progress, don't have kids. <laughs> but it's about it's about what you envision your life, right? It's life goals and then align your finances. But that's wonderful, Scott, because that takes discipline, even despite my joking, to make the progress you've made. So, all right. Where, where do you allocate money? Well, I, I guess we can maybe imply here that Scott does not have access to a retirement plan at work, or at least that'd be the question that I would be asking. If, if you're in a similar situation as Scott, where you're coming to the end of the mortgage or there's something happening in your life where there's going to be new cash flow freed up, one of the advantages of a retirement plan through work is it's a bigger bucket for you to be able to throw money into if retirement is what you're turning your attention to next. Or if you're just trying to manage your taxes, because single, not many deductions, good income, potentially higher tax bracket, Mm -hmm. you got to be using all of those tax shelters possible. That's right. You know, Scott could be creeping into maybe the fourth tax tier, the 24% tax bracket, depending on what kind of write-offs he has available. So, when, when you start getting into higher and higher tax brackets, pre-tax savings for long-term goals like retirement save you money in taxes today by postponing that tax liability out into the future when we presume that maybe you'll be in a lower tax bracket and can have less of a tax hit when it comes time to spend that money. That's a great question, Scott. It's not an unusual question. Um, a lot of times people either say, where should I be putting my money as far as what type of uh, a structure should I be using, traditional IRA, what have you. Um, And a lot of times people that get to 55 start saying, well, should I be pulling back on risk? What should I do? So there are lots of questions that come in uh, at this time in your life. And oftentimes when I'm answering them, I say, well, look, I'm going to sound like a politician because there's not an easy answer. Right. And because, again, part of this, and Scott, listen to the first part of this show. Part of where you should be investing your money needs to be in alignment with what you want the rest of your life to look like. Because if you want to be retired by 56, where you should put your money is very different than if you want to be retired by 66. Mm-hmm. And so this is where. Um, the more context helps us give a more better answer. <laughs> more, better. more better. But I So mm-hmm. make a list of all those tax shelters available. Make sure you're leveraging all of those. If you're just doing enough into the 401k, if you have one, just to get the match, no, you got to max that thing out. Look at Roth. Look at IRA. Look at HSA. Look at HSA. Absolutely. Um, and, and if you've exhausted all those, it might just be another savings account. So, all right. Great question, Scott. We've got another one about something called a variable annuity. Got that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything and haven't caught up on the YouTube channel, but you like podcasts, guess what? The Wise Money Show is there as well. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. Just search The Wise Money Show. I'd encourage you to subscribe to it and so that you're notified every time we drop a new episode. Even rate the show and leave a comment there as well. We appreciate it. All right. We're into a great question from, from Scott. He's 55 from Mishawaka. No kids. He's single. He's about to pay his mortgage off. He's got a good income, 130 to 150 grand. Hey, where do I put that money? First idea is make sure you're capturing all tax shelters. But just there's just one other thing that I'd want to make you aware of is that if you talk to a, a, a any variety of financial professionals about this question, Scott, there's possibly going to be a tool that's introduced that I I we would encourage you to just to stay away from. And because of your situation, trying to get tax deferred growth might be um, an objective. And one way to do that is using a tool called an annuity. We've got another question coming up about one of those here in just a second, but is to use an annuity. However, we would discourage you from using that despite there be some potential tax savings on the growth simply because of the cost and lack of flexibility in, in with those types of tools. I just, I just, would steer clear of those. Yeah, an annuity is a tool, and there are certain there are actually certain annuity contracts that are good contracts. So a lot of times, I'm I, I I'm hesitant to even bring up the A word in a conversation with clients, <laughs> um, but there are times where that's that is appropriate, where they they need certain guarantees um, or other things, but. It it is a product that's sold, mm-hmm. not a product that's bought. And I look at the guarantees. I mean, in your situation, Scott, Josh mentioned, yeah, a little more context. This would be helpful. Or Kevin mentioned that. But yeah, maybe some other context might might reveal that. No, some of those guarantees would be beneficial. But at the surface, no, I don't think so. Well, <laughs> and, and certainly not as an accumulation tool. Right. That's where my Absolutely. mind was going. It, we often think of a variable annuity or or different types of annuity products as an income generating tool when you get into retirement. But if you still have another 10 years to go, Scott, before you want to retire, maybe it's even 15 years for all we know. If you've got a long period of time where you still are in the accumulation and growth phase of building your portfolio for retirement, there's just better tools out there that don't have the layers of fees that drag down that performance and really slow up your progress. So, if, if you said you were going to retire a little bit earlier and you wanted to delay drawing Social Security as long as possible, it may even make sense for you to be building up some resources that are not inside of tax shelters so that you can have maximum flexibility on when you access that money and basically kind of plan ahead for how you're going to live during those years when you don't have a paycheck and you haven't yet started Social Security either. Agreed. And so I, I would encourage you, Scott, I, I got a, a, a friend of mine shared a podcast with me, and the, this one was titled, What's Better, the Roth IRA or the LIRP? 
And LIRP stands for Life Insurance Retirement Plan. And so, Scott, if you're single, your need for survivor income, I'm assuming, probably isn't there. But in a vacuum, any financial decision can make sense. Just like think of think of your own self, Scott. You probably can rationalize or justify any behavior, um, especially if you don't tell any of your friends about it. Um, and you, you can kind of do the same thing financially, especially if if someone is trained. Because I actually listen to this podcast, and um, there are people that are being convinced that that one of the best tools to save for uh, for retirement is a is a life insurance policy and life insurance is a tool so i'm not saying you shouldn't have life insurance but i would be careful about what specific purposes you need the life insurance to accomplish for you and then what you're willing to pay or what you're willing to sacrifice in order to achieve that. Okay, so so that is a great segue here. We have we got a, a question. This is now a couple months ago, but from an anonymous listener, and here's what he or she asked. About a variable annuity about three years ago, are they bad if you haven't already maxed out your 401k or IRA? Great question. And, uh, you know, I'm going to piggyback on what Kevin was just saying about life insurance. A variable annuity is a tool. And it's a tool that you would want any uh, independent financial professional that is serving you and advising you, you want them to have the maximum array of potential tools at their disposal so that the right tool can be used for the right job. Often, though, we see variable annuities being used for the wrong job. We've, uh, we've often seen clients come in, they've got a, a handful of variable annuities, and they have regret written all over their face. Mm-hmm. You know, after having them for a few years, they look back and they say, this thing doesn't seem like it's really growing much. And unfortunately, we have to kind of help them peel back layers of the onion and understand exactly what they have. And we can, you know, pretty quickly diagnose, well, here's why it's not really growing much. Even though you're taking a healthy amount of risk with this thing, if it has the drag of too many layers of expense, Uh, expenses that maybe are buying some wonderful guarantees for you that maybe would be important down the road but aren't as necessary right now. Unnecessary expense we we often refer to as waste, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are wasting money within those investments, then it it makes me at least think, yeah, you, you know, before you get yourself into a variable annuity, um, I, I would make sure that you've considered all your options and you fully understand these complicated products. Yeah, and so thank you, Anonymous, for your question. I, I think it could be a great thing, but there's no way of knowing because it's really going to be based on what your age is and what money did you use to do it. If I'm using a variable annuity for an accumulation tool, again, I'm I'm gonna I'm probably gonna be a little bit skeptical that that might be the best thing. But if you bought it within the context of a financial planning relationship, where the process determined the the solution instead of the product determining determining the solution, because there are some 
there, there are some folks out there that call themselves financial advisors. They do a financial plan. They look at all. They go. They walk you through a process, and in that process, the the products kind of raise their hand and say, "Pick me." That's because you're a financial planner. One of their key roles is to be an educator for you. They should be teaching you that a variable annuity is an investment that you dump money into, and it is a tax shelter. It's going to grow without being taxed along the way. And when you get to retirement, then you're going to pull the money back out and you're going to pay tax on the growth, but not the original money that you put in. Now, they would also be pointing out the negatives and and telling you that this money is tied up for a period of time. There might be a seven-year or a 10-year period where you can't access that money without getting hit with some sort of a surrender penalty. But they also need to be comparing it to another tool. You, you know, if you mentioned that you have not been using the 401k or the IRA to its full capacity. What about a Roth IRA too? You know, rather than putting money into an account and letting it grow and eventually pay tax on the growth, why not put it in an account that will grow tax-free forever? Mm-hmm. I like that a whole lot better. And any, anyone who's advising you on a variable annuity and not also talking to you about a Roth IRA Mm-hmm. I think is is not doing a thorough enough job of advising you. So again, Anonymous, we don't know your situation, but to be uh, not the, necessarily the devil's advocate, but the, the A-word advocate, if that was a chunk of money that you had sitting there and you put it into an annuity that's going to give you a guaranteed income stream 10 years from when you started, and that aligns perfectly with the Social Security that you're going to yeah. get, your pension, all these other things – hey, that might be a great thing. So don't listen to every person on the radio who might say an annuity is a horrible thing. In your situation, if we knew more, we could tell you. Yeah. Great question, though. It it really is. And and like Josh said, we do see a lot of people who come in with some tools and then they say, I'm not sure this is really doing it for me. So again, you got to make your financial decisions in the context of of a financial plan. So That is all the time we have for today. Thanks for being with us. Uh, On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.